Welcome to the Health and High Performance Podcast with your host, Coach Peter. This podcast is for busy modern humans who want to maximize their business and financial success and live in a healthy body that is strong, looks the part, and performs optimally both mentally and physically. In each episode, I share bite-sized health, fitness, and human performance lessons to help you live your best life. So, put on your headphones, head out of the door, and start stepping into your potential. I want to start today's episode by saying that I really believe that wellness is the foundation that really allows you to live life to its fullest. And when you're well, when you're healthy, that's when you have more energy, your focus is better, you get more done, you stress less, you're more tolerant to stress, you're more tolerant to uncomfortable and adverse events in your life and you're just able to enjoy life more in general. Breathing exercises and meditation practices are both absolutely foundational for your wellness and your well-being and you've heard me speak about these things a lot lately but that's only because of how important they are for me and how much they've helped me to cope and manage living in lockdown and living in these really really crazy times. Can, can you believe that one of my friends today told me that it's the 214th day in lockdown. So not in straight go but this is the sixth lockdown here in Victoria in Australia. And we've spent a total of 214 days in lockdown. And most of this time, you are not able to go outside for more than one or two hours a day. And I maybe haven't followed that, but um, I should have said that. Um, Anyway, you are not allowed to travel more than five kilometers from your house. And that's something I've I've adhered to. Um, Yeah, it's quite crazy. Think about it. The world that we live in is very, very different from the world that we've evolved to live in. Humans, we are animals. We are meant to live outside. We are animals that seek adventure and we're always looking for novelty. And now I'm living in a world and in a place where I'm not allowed to leave my leave further than five kilometers from my house you know I'm very lucky that I have an awesome river trail right right next to where I live and it's absolutely beautiful there's a big golf course there's a lot of nature a lot of walking tracks I can just go and there's no people that there no people there at all but still I'm, I'm forced to stay to those same routes and I can't travel more than five kilometers away from my house that's something it's really hard for me to reconcile with that and meditation and breathing exercises they have been so valuable for me and they have been so valuable for me in that they've really allowed me to focus my attention elsewhere as opposed to focusing on things that I can't control I've been able to reframe things and I've been able to focus my attention and my effort into things that I have 100% control of. And I want to talk to you more about meditation and breathing exercise because these things are often clumped to be the same thing by those who don't really have much experience in either of them. But if you have experience in them, 
you realize and you do know that both of these practices, they can have very wide-ranging benefits and they are quite distinct from one another. But the thing is that it's quite hard to describe these benefits for someone who really hasn't experienced them. It's like, how do you explain a fish that it's swimming in water? How do you do that? All the fish knows is water. It's only when you take the fish out of the water that the fish realizes that holy shit I've just been swimming in water this whole time I can't breathe here I can't I can't breathe air and the, today's episode I really really want to differentiate I really want to tell you a little bit more about my experiences from meditation and breath control exercise and I want to tell you what kind of benefits have I gained from them and hopefully that's going to inspire you to take action and start practicing these things in your own life so both meditation and breath control exercises, they are very similar in that they both activate the rest and digest state of the autonomic nervous system. And a lot of the health benefits of meditation and of breath control exercises, you can attribute that to the fact that they are very reliably activate the rest and digest state of the autonomic nervous system. So what is that? Well, I've gone to depth to that in the previous episodes of this podcast, especially episode number two, how to build your stress tolerance. But very, very quickly, your autonomic nervous system that is responsible for involuntary bodily functions like digestion, heart rate, blood pressure, sexual response, hormone secretion, defecation, urination, you name it, all these things that happen without our conscious control, it's very likely that it's governed by the autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system then is divided into two branches. So in one hand, we have the rest and digest state of the autonomic nervous system. This is when things that are associated with your health and your longevity are prioritized. You're digesting food, you're producing sex hormones, you're going to be possibly sexually aroused, your blood pressure is going to be low, your heart rate is going to be low, your breathing rate is going to be low. On the other hand, we have the fight or flight state of the autonomic nervous system. So when you're in a state of fight or flight, this is when you're in a state of stress. Now, your immediate survival is the priority. So all those things that are associated with your health and longevity in the future, all those processes in the body are halted and instead resources are redirected towards improving your physical performance right now in this moment. It's like the analogy. You don't start mowing the lawn when there's a cyclone bearing your house down. You know, what's the point of digesting food when you have a lion chasing you? No point. Let the lion do the digestion for you. So you stop digesting food, your blood pressure goes up, heart rate goes up, breathing rate goes up, your blood is taken from your GI tract, is pushed into the limbs, you get a big dump of stress chemicals like cortisol, adrenaline, Everything that can happen to improve your physical performance, that takes place. So what I'm saying is that one of the main benefits of meditation and breath control exercises, depending on the breath control exercises, can be attributed to the fact that it very reliably puts you into a state of rest and digest. Beyond that, they both have very unique benefits for the body 
And these benefits, of course, depend on how you choose to practice and what kind of physiological adaptations you choose to chase. So I always like to look at this from the lens of strength and conditioning. You know, you're not going to build strength, speed, endurance very effectively with the same type of activity. You're going to sprint when you want to train your speed. You're going to lift heavy weights when you want to build your strength. And you're going to go for long durations of time when you want to build your endurance. So it's the same thing here when you kind of understand, okay, what is it that I'm really trying to get from this breathing activity, for example, then it kind of starts making sense as to which one, which kind of a method you would choose, which which method choose the best which method suits the best the adaptation that you are wanting to gain so first i want to talk to you specifically a little bit more about meditation and i want to start about start by talking about the physiological gains that you can gain from meditations and then the psychological gains which is going to be where i'm going to be sharing you my own experiences but i think that the physiological gains from meditation, they've been documented pretty well at this point in time. And there was one study from UCLA in 2012 by looters and colleagues. And this study found that long-term meditators have a thicker prefrontal cortex. So a prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that is responsible for higher thinking. It's responsible for memory, problem solving, all these things that allow you to, you know, d- develop strategies, be innovative, and really to dominate and really to be a human. What separates humans from other animals? Well, it's our prefrontal cortex and our ability to socialize, create plans, and execute those plans. So something that's very, very useful um, for getting around in this world. So meditators, long-term meditators have a thicker prefrontal cortex and this allows them to process information faster. So that was their finding. Well, they also found that there was a correlation between the thickening of the cortex and the number of meditation years. Okay, so there's some really long-term gains to be had in this thing. And this makes total sense because of neuroplasticity. And we actually spoke about neuroplasticity a couple weeks ago. And I would highly recommend you to check that episode, the one where the titled eight strategies to improve your brain power, because we basically know that the the brain is plastic. The brain changes and evolves throughout our lives. And that's something that's very empowering to know. The brain doesn't stay the same. But the thing is that it's not only empowering, but it's a little bit scary because this thing can go both ways. You know, everything you do is going to change your brain even things that you wouldn't want to change your brain. You know, of course, you want meditation. You're sitting down and you're actually putting in work for a positive physiological change. You want it to work. So you want your brain to change in a positive way. However, your brain is going to change no matter what you do. For example, something that's really personal to me is whenever you get reactive, whenever you start yelling, you start kicking, screaming in response to something that's not going the way you want it to go. Whenever you do that, you are strengthening those behaviors and you're making them even more automatic. You're making that automatic stress response, the automatic reactiveness even more automatic. And I've probably you're probably getting the point here like this is something that I'm really struggling with myself whenever especially if if it's related to technology 
if I can't figure something out or if something's not working the way it's supposed to be, I'm gonna have some real, I have some real anger management problems in those points in time. And it's really hard for me to not just get reactive, but I'm getting better at it. And that's why, and that's because I'm actively managing this thing with mindfulness meditation. So this is a really good segue to actually talking about, okay, what are the psychological benefits of mindfulness meditation? And this is where it's like, well, it's, it's hard to explain something when you, if you haven't experienced it for yourself. And I can really only speak for myself. So the way I like to look at mindfulness and the way I like to look at meditation is that you're essentially practicing your the, you're strengthening your attention muscles. You are practicing the skill of being able to direct your attention to certain things that are happening inside of you or outside of you, and then maintaining your attention on those things. I like to think of it as there's only one space, and this is how Sam Harris explains it, and I've been using Sam Harris's Waking Up app for two years now, and I 100% think that it's the, it's been amazing, it's been tra- life transforming for me, and I would highly recommend you to check it out. And the way that Sam Harris teaches us is that there is only one space that can be occupied by your attention at any point in time. And this one space, your awareness, this one space can be occupied by, you know, focusing on your breathing, you can focus on the sensation of temperature. You can focus on smells. You can focus on what does it feel to have a tongue? What does it feel when you have your feet on the ground? You can focus on sounds in the room. And thinking, thoughts also appear in this same space. And the thing is that we tend to be really e- easily identified we tend to get identified with this thinking very, very easily. And we don't even realize that this one space, our attention has been captured by thought. And we are unconsciously engaging in unconscious ruminating about the past or about the future. And we're failing to recognize what is actually happening in the present moment. So the skill of mindfulness and the practice of meditation is to wake up, wake up from that dreamlike state of being lost in unconscious thinking, and then bringing your attention to your body, to the sounds in the room, to your breath, whatever it is, bringing your attention back, and just holding it there. And this is a bit of a paradox. And Sam goes to great length to trying to explain this. And he does a lot better job at me than I do, by the way. But it's like a lot of people get frustrated when they first start meditating. They say, oh my God, I'm getting lost in thought all the time. I, I can't hold my attention here at all. And in fact, when you realize that you've been captured by thought and you've been, the moment when you actually realize that you've been thinking about something when you're trying to hold your attention on your breathing, for example, that moment is not a moment of failure, but that is actually the practice itself. You've just woken up. It's like you've just done one repetition. Now, that is the skill 
that you need to practice and that is the skill that you need to strengthen and you can strengthen because of neuroplasticity every time you catch yourself lost in thought in unconscious thinking every time you do that boom one rep in the tank and when you've done thousands and ten thousands of reps you are going to be much better at doing that and you're going to be able to snap out when I get angry at technology that doesn't agree with me or actually is that I don't understand how it works and I'm just being a dumb ape getting angry for something that I don't understand. I'm much better at snapping out of it and the half-life of any negative emotions that are caused by these kinds of things in my life, they have reduced dramatically and I think this has been absolutely invaluable for my health and especially for my mental health especially during a time like this and like I like to reiterate it's two day 214 of lockdowns and I really can't fathom if you don't meditate or if you don't practice mindfulness how are you coping it's no wonder that the beyond blue which is a service in Australia that provides mental health consultation for people over the phone it's like lifeline you call them up and they help you out if you're having suicidal thoughts they are having record numbers of people contacting them and that's not a wonder and I really don't wonder that's why I really think that everyone should be very proactive about this stuff and everybody should really make it make this into a habit and I can't recommend Sam Harris's waking up app more for getting started with this kind of a practice. So what about breathing? Um, I already alluded to the fact that your breath, it can be an object of meditation. I think this is actually one of the reasons why these things are often clumped together. But breathing exercises and the breath, it can actually give you so much more than just to be a object of meditation and just to be a tool to focus your attention. And I like to think of the breath as, as it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing tool. And actually, it's not just a tool, but it's a toolkit. It is the whole toolkit. That's because there are breathing tools to prepare your body for a great night's sleep and improve your ability to breathe through your nose when you sleep and when you're awake. There are breathing tools that are going to improve your posture and movement capabilities instantaneously. There are breathing tools that can lower down your stress levels and breathing tools that can increase your stress tolerance and your tolerance to long-term stress. There are breathing tools that can reduce breathlessness during physical activity. And because you breathe all the time, no matter what you're doing, Literally everything you do in your life is impacted with the way you breathe. And if you can choose the right breathing tool for the right job, everything you do is going to get easier and more effective. For example, just in the context of physical activity, you are going to want to breathe differently when you walk, when you run, when you jump, or when you sprint, or when you lift heavy weights, or when you're doing yoga, or when you're trying to stretch. All these things require a very different kind of breathing and pressure management tool to set you up for success. On the other hand, 
if you choose the wrong tool for the wrong job, everything is going to be much harder than it needs to be. And everything is going to be much less effective than what it could be. And I know that this can be a little bit overwhelming if you've you know never paid attention to this. If you're like, oh gee, I thought that you know breathing was just something that happened automatically. I never really given my breathing much much of a thought. And there are all these things that I need to learn now. Oh my god, it's like no no, that's okay. This is why it's good to have a mentor, to have someone who spends significant significant amount of time trying to understand and practice this stuff. And I want to give you a good piece of advice. I think that the most important breathing tool and the one that you should start with are hypercapnic breathing exercises. So what does hypercapnia mean? Hypercapnia means that there is an increase in carbon dioxide levels in your blood. Why is it so beneficial to increase carbon dioxide levels in your blood? Well, carbon dioxide is the primary stimulus for breathing. Okay, you don't breathe because of lack of oxygen, you don't experience hunger for air, because of lack of oxygen, you experience air hunger, because of a rise in carbon dioxide. We have these things called chemoreceptors, which are basically like thermometers that are detecting the amount of carbon dioxide and acidity in our blood at all points in time. And this is because too much of carbon dioxide, too much acidity is going to kill you very, very quickly. So the body knows this and the body has evolved to be very, very sensitive to this thing. But turns out that the sensitivity to carbon dioxide it is a very, very trainable quality that you can actually improve with, with stress and with repeated practice. And why is this important? If your tolerance to carbon dioxide is very low, you are someone who is breathing in excess of how much air you actually need. Okay, so if you're, if you're just sitting around and your breathing is like this, If you're taking between 16 and a, you know 16 to 20 and above breaths per minute, you are hyperventilating. That is too much air, especially if you're resting. It's a little bit different, of course, if you start exercising. And if you're exercising hard, now your body demands more oxygen and your body needs more air. But if you are sitting around, you're just sitting down and you're breathing like that, that is because you have very low tolerance to carbon dioxide and your unconscious breathing is driven by this low tolerance to carbon dioxide because your body is trying to get rid of this excess carbon dioxide too much for your tolerance and it does that by increasing the rate and volume of breathing. Why is this no good? Because faster breathing is going to activate the fight or flight state of the autonomic nervous system. And you know, chronic stress, unnecessary activation of the fight or flight nervous system is not good either for your body or for your mental health and your ability to think, focus and operate in general. This is why this is important. The other reason why this is important, and we touched this the other day, is that carbon dioxide is also the primary stimulus 
for the release of oxygen to take place from hemoglobin. So hemoglobin is this protein in your red blood cells that carries oxygen and carbon dioxide in your blood. It turns out that when blood carbon dioxide saturations are higher, that causes the affinity of hemoglobin to oxygen to reduce, meaning hemoglobin is holding on to oxygen less tightly and oxygen is going to like oxygen release rates are going to improve and more oxygen is released and delivered to the brain to the muscles to the organs and every single cell inside your body on the other hand if blood carbon dioxide levels are low as they are if you're breathing heavily if you're exhaling heavily if you're breathing through your mouth you're getting rid of a lot of carbon dioxide so now your blood carbon dioxide level is going to be low. That is going to lead to respiratory alkalosis. So your the pH of your blood is going to increase and your blood is going to become slightly more alkaline. When that happens, the affinity of hemoglobin to oxygen increases and less oxygen is going to be released from your hemoglobin to the brain, to the muscles, to the organs and to every single cell inside your body. So in summary, to summarize that, when you breathe heavy, when you breathe a lot of air, when you breathe too much air compared to what your body actually needs, you are, number one, activating the stress response, activating the fight or flight response for no reason at all. Number two, you are depriving your cells and your brain and your muscles of oxygen because oxygen is stuck in hemoglobin because of respiratory alkalosis. Not good. How do we do hypercapnic breathing exercises? What is the, how do you do it? I've t told this to you before and I'll say it again. The best way to do it, the easiest way to do it is to switch to full-time nasal breathing. Go for a walk. Only breathe through your nose. Do not open your mouth no matter what. Challenge yourself. Find a hill, because now, when you're walking up a hill, your muscles are going to be have working harder. Muscles have to work harder compared to if you're just walking on flat ground. What you're going to notice very quickly is that you're going to experience more breathlessness. You're going to experience more air hunger. That is because your muscles are working harder, and harder working muscles are producing more carbon dioxide. So in that point, see if you can just relax, see if you can just keep stay in control of your breath and a professional tip here is that see if you can extend your exhalation so stay with the rhythm have like three to five second inhales three to five second exhales while walking up a hill and you go very quickly gonna experience what the what does it feel like when you're fighting against the urge to increase your breathing rate because of the increased carbon dioxide levels the other really good way you can do this is to kind of combine it with a meditation practice and make it something a little bit more relaxing. Sit down, slow down your breathing. Make your breathing so light that you're breathing less air than what you were breathing before you started doing the exercise. Slow down the speed of the air so much that your breathing is so light that it'd be really hard for me to notice if you're breathing at all if I was in the same room with you. Very soon you're gonna find 
that you're going to start experiencing a little bit of that same air hunger feeling that you would if you were walking up a hill only breathing through your nose. See if you can relax into that feeling, because that is the sensation of carbon dioxide increasing. So see if you can relax into that feeling and spend some time, spend 5, 10, 15 minutes breathing like that, seeing how light can you make your breathing. Whenever you find yourself being lost in thought, you're thinking about something else, you're thinking about the lockdown or whatever else it is, whenever you catch yourself lost in thought, that's okay. That's the practice. Just bring your attention back to controlling your breathing, slowing down your breathing, and making your breathing lighter and lighter. So those are fantastic ways for you to get started with hypercapnic breathing and get started on your journey to improving your carbon dioxide tolerance. And what you're going to find is that over time, it's gonna be easier and easier for you to control your stress response and it's easier and easier for you to calm yourself down just when you sit down and when you sit down to slow down your breathing. It's easier and easier for you to drop into really, really relaxed states. And you're also going to find that your ability to tolerate exercise is going to change dramatically. Number one, when your carbon dioxide tolerance is higher, you are not going to experience that very, very debilitating sensation of being completely gassed and being completely out of breath and that is one of the most terrible things that you can experience and that's when you're breathing heavily you're breathing through your mouth you are breathing dry air and the air is drying your lungs because it's not going through the nose because you're not humidifying and you're not warming the air that is a very rough feeling on your lungs and it's one of the most terrible feelings when you have to stop exercising not because you reach the end of your muscles and you reach the limit of what your muscles were capable capable of but because you reached your limit of tolerating excessive hyperventilating breathing number two you're actually able to challenge your muscles to their limits and you don't have to stop exercising because of you reaching the limits of your ability to breathe and your ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. So to wrap today's episode up, wellness is the foundation that allows you to live your best life. And meditation and breathing exercises are absolutely foundational for your wellness and for your ability to enjoy life, especially if you live in Victoria or anywhere in Australia right now, actually, where we are locked down. And in Victoria, it's day 214. That's actually absolutely insane. Breathing tools. There are different kinds of breathing tools. And the breathing tool that I think that you should start working on right now is to improve your carbon dioxide tolerance, hypercapnic breathing. What is the easiest way to do that? Well, get outside, go for a walk, and challenge your ability to maintain nasal breathing. Find a hill that takes you a couple minutes to walk up on, and see if you can maintain nasal breathing, see if you can control your breathing, stay three to five second inhales, three to five second exhales. And if you wanna learn more about breathing, and if you wanna learn about all these other breathing tools that exist, I would highly recommend you to check out 
coachbuilder.com slash breathing foundations. The breathing foundations is my best attempt at putting together all the theory and all the exercises of all these different kinds of tools and deliver them to you in a way that's easy for you to understand and in a way that's easy for you to put into practice and actually benefit from the information as opposed to just signing up to another course that you never do. No, this is something I want to really transform your life in the same way that it has transformed my life. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, send me a comment on Instagram at Coach Butter and let me know what are your favorite stress management and lockdown management tools that you think are absolutely essential for your wellness. I would love to hear about that. As always, it would also help me a ton if you actually left me a rating and a review on iTunes because that would really help me to grow this podcast and reach more people. So please do that and share this episode with at least one other person, someone in your life, your family member, your friend or a colleague who also needs to hear this message. Thank you so much for listening. This is Coach Putter. Let's do this.